0: Hi, and welcome to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message, where we study scripture together, verse by verse. Let's jump in now for this week's message. Submit to his authority, be kind to him, introduce grace and love into the relationship, and maybe he will come to Christ and be a manly man. But if you continue to undermine his authority as a husband or as a father, he definitely is not going to grow closer to God. In the family, God has given the father, the husband authority, but he's also given parents authority over their children. I started to take this out of my notes because my notes are way too long, but then I feel like in our culture, we need to speak directly to this. Moms and dads, God, in his infinite wisdom has given parents, not one parent or the other, but the combined unity of parents, authority over their children. (laughs) Right? Just blow your mind. So if you look at the passages that I referenced earlier, parents, you, are responsible, because you have the authority, to set the course for your children's lives. Well, I thought we just kind of fed them and let them go their own way. The culture, the mindset, the paradigm of this world says, let your children be individuals. Let them grow up and do whatever it is or whoever it is that they want to be. And the Bible clearly says, "No! We do not give free reign to the fallen sin-filled nature to govern our children. Well, not my little children, they're perfect. No, your children too. Little heathens. They need their hearts pointed toward Jesus. Because if you don't part, part, you know what I mean, point their hearts towards Jesus, the world is going to point. Point and heart at the same time. It's been a long week. The world is going to point their hearts towards hell. Actually, it doesn't take the world. Their heart will do that on their own because of the fallen nature. We, as believing parents, have been given the the God-given authority to intentionally, purposefully, point our little deceived fallen hearts toward the cross of Christ and pray like crazy that the holy spirit causes them to be reborn of the spirit of god and transforms their little deceitful hearts into hearts that will be turned toward him that is our responsibility we don't give them latitude to decide oh brett you're being too harsh sit in my office where people are telling me about their kids that have gone wayward because they didn't prioritize God in their family. It's a problem. In a family, it is every person's responsibility to submit to authority. Did you hear what I said? In a family, it is every person's responsibility to submit to authority, not just the wife and the kids, but the husband submits to the authority of Christ. Part of giving ourselves to God is to submit to the authorities that God has placed in the family. The second institutions, so we have the family, then we have the church. The second institution that God implemented authority in is the church, again, for order. As soon as the Hebrew people left slavery in Egypt, God instituted the law that gave both spiritual and civil structure and authority for his people. Does that make sense? They had been slaves before. They didn't really have any guidance other than what Egypt gave them. So whenever they come out of Egypt, they have to have some sort of plan for governance and God gives them the law both for spiritual governance and for civil governance. God was their leader. This is a mind-blowing concept in our culture today. It was a it was called it would be called a theocracy. God was the authority, a theocracy, not a democracy because I know that we think that democracy is sacred. It's not. Theocracy is what the Israelites had. God led them through priests and prophets. Now, when Israel later on demanded a king, God implemented civil authority outside of the church. And we'll talk about that later. Do you see what just happened? We took civil authority outside of the church. Now, in the New Testament, the church provides spiritual structure and authority in the new testament we live during the new testament time okay after the cross we live in the new testament time where god has given spiritual structure and authority to the church so like a father in a family the church has elders who are tasked with submitting to christ and also governing the body of believers does that make sense Submitting to Christ is a very important part of the equation. These men are responsible for the oversight of the church, the teaching of believers, the guarding of biblical doctrine, and for prayer. And for knocking down walls on the patio if if it needs to be done. Ephesians 4.15 makes it clear that Christ is the head of the church. Very important. The work of elders is to guide the church in a biblical and God-honoring direction. Their authority comes from their knowledge of understanding God's word and the evidence of God's work in their own lives. Scripture is clear about their qualifications and responsibilities, and I've taught it in the past. These men, hold on to your britches because I'm gonna mess with your head for a second. These elders are not representatives of the congregation to Christ. They are representatives of Christ to the congregation. It's not a democracy. Their authority has boundaries. It is to lead God's people where God wants his people to go. Not where God's people think they want to go. Is that, are you okay? You just pass out? Yeah. Yeah, spiritual leadership is about pointing people where God wants them to go, not where, well, I want to do this. No, you don't, what what does your opinion matter? Not any at all. We're going to go where God wants us to go, and God's will is that you live sanctified, set apart, and a holy life that honors God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 lays out all the details. Well, what if that's not where I want to go? Then maybe serving God's not your deal. You should fish on Sunday morning. Making friends. yeah. <laughs> If you don't wanna go where God's leading, then following God is obviously not your thing. God's will is that you live a sanctified, set apart and holy life that honors him. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter four. I'm not gonna read it, you are. I hope that I'm not oversimplifying, but the role of pastors or elders their god-given authority is to push you sometimes we say admonish to push you to admonish you toward holy living in Christ Jesus that's what we do 1st uh, Thessalonians 4 is where God's will is for you to be sanctified good job the response to correction in the church, because it happens from time to time where you hear a sermon or maybe it's in a personal conversation and somebody maybe kind of redirects your thinking, corrects your thinking, may respond something like, I can find a different church who has leadership who will agree with me. And unfortunately in our world, there is a church for every sin. If you want someone to affirm your sin, there's a church out there that will affirm your sin. I understand you have a choice of what congregation you're a part of. You need to understand the ramifications of choosing where you're going to worship and who you're going to worship with. This is going to, um, whenever, one of these days, this is the, another one of the books that I'm gonna write. <laughs> I'm gonna title it, How to Choose a Church because people always have the wrong qualifications for how to choose a church. Well, I like the pastor. That's a bad qualification, man. Trust me, bad qualification. So this is gonna go in my How to Choose a Church book. You must examine whether the church leadership submits to the authority of Christ in Scripture. If the leadership is not submitting to the authority of Christ and to the authority of scripture, don't go to that church. Don't go to that church. They'll affirm your sin and they'll make you feel good about going to hell, but don't go to that church. Are <laughs> decisions made that promote the standard of scripture and promote con- the congregation and protect, I can't read my own writing, my own typing, and protect the congregation from false teaching. We need to be scripture-centered for the sake of protecting ourselves from false teaching. And when you find that in a church that, say, like, promotes soap and preaches expositorily, when you find that, then submit your sinful desires to their authority. It's risky, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Will they always be correct? No. Will they be able to guide you towards holiness? They should be. It should be consistent guidance towards holiness. But you'll have to listen. You'll have to actually follow their guidance, the guidance of Scripture. You'll have to submit to their God-given authority whenever they say, listen, this is a sin in your life. You can't say, no, it's not. I mean, here again, if following God's not your thing, then don't waste your time coming to church. Does that make sense? I I, I want to delicately caution you, because you know I'm good at being delicate. <laughs> kind of use, use another illustration. If you go to the doctor and he says, you know, you need XYZ to get healthy. You would do what he says because you pay him because you assume that he knows more than you do and you trust that he knows more than you do. So if he says you need X, Y, Z, you do that. If you go to the mechanic and he says your car needs X, Y, Z to run properly, then you go, okay, I guess that that's true because I pay him to know more than I do, so I'll do that. But then we come to church and sometimes we hear the word of God preached and spoken and then we dismiss it because it doesn't fit with what we want to hear. We we'll Listen to a doctor. We'll listen to the mechanic, but not listen to the preaching of God's word. I hear things like, that's not what I wanted to hear. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, well, stick your nose, Brent. I hear things like, I think my situation is different, and therefore, my evil behavior is justified. Right, sweetheart, you're a special kind of sinner. You're still a sinner. I hear things like, I've just always believed it differently. Like, Brent, what you preached this morning, it was wrong because my grandpappy, he told me it was different than that. Okay, then go to your grandpappy's church. I hear things like, I just don't feel like that's true for me. I wrote in my notes, don't get angry here. (laughs) I just don't feel like that's true. (laughs) We read scripture that says, don't sow evil into your life because it'll make you miserable. I think I can sow a little uh, evil and just be fine. No, no, God will not be mocked. I am not declaring that you must submit unquestionably to church authority. Not unquestionable. you know what I mean? unquestionably, but I do think you should follow with the assumption that those whom God has placed in authority may know more than you and can genuinely help you to live a more holy and God-glorifying life. When we challenge you to stop sinning, don't dismiss us with, I'd like a second opinion. No, submit to the authority of the church. Find a healthy church and submit to the authority of the church, because that's God's plan for your spiritual growth. It's order, it's good, all right? Perfect? Oh, like your family's perfect. Nah, it's not perfect. It's got people involved, so it's not perfect. Third, speaking of imperfection, God instituted authority in civil government. Hallelujah. Even before Israel demanded a king, God had implemented civil authority in other nations for the purpose of maintaining some sense of order because there needs to be order. Even among unbelievers, there needs to be some governance. So we learn to submit to authority in the family. I'm saying that very loaded so that you'll say, oh, I'm supposed to be teaching my kids to submit to authority. If we don't learn submission to authority in the family, then your children have problems later on down the road. Because there's always an authority. Teach them to submit to authority at home, make their life much easier. Number two, we practice submitting to authority in the church. Again, it's a place where we learn submission. But in the church, failure comes with greater consequences than failing to submit to the family. And then we live in the reality of submitting to the authority of civil government. Now, in civil government, there's very little grace or mercy in civil authority, and failure typically results in a pretty immediate consequence, right? You speed, you pretty immediately see the little lights. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Michael. I see, I see that hand. <laughs> The common pushback to this whole idea of submitting to civil government is what if the government is corrupt? What if the government is corrupt? Do I still have to submit to their authority? And I think that's a valid question that's bouncing around in our head. What if the government is corrupt? Well, when the Holy Spirit was giving the apostle Paul these words to write down, when he was inspiring these words through Paul, uh, he was writing these things down to believers in Rome. The Roman empire was corrupt, violent, and as immoral as any culture has ever been on the face of the planet for all time. It was corrupt. The perception that you are more righteous than the government may be very accurate, but that is not a valid reason to submit, to not submit to the authority of the government. You okay? So we have to submit to a corrupt government? Yeah, dads, dads, are you perfect? No, I'll just answer it for you. You don't have to say it out loud. Do you still expect your children to submit to your authority? Yes. It works that way with the government too. Are they perfect? Oh, no. Does God still expect us to submit to their authority? Yes. The remaining text is gonna bring a little more clarity to that. Number two. Submit to the authorities, because I come up with real original points here. Number one, authority originates with God. Number two, submit to those authorities because they originated with God. Verse three, for the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right, but in those who are doing wrong. That's the purpose, that's the order that they bring. Strike fear in those who are doing wrong, not those who are doing right. Would you like to live without fear of the authorities? Yes. Do what is right. They will honor you, theoretically. The authorities are God's servants sent for your good. But if you are doing wrong, if you're the one out there sowing evil, of course you should be afraid, for they have the power to punish you. The God-given power to punish you. They are God's servants. Sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do wrong. So you must submit to them. Not only to avoid punishment. But also to keep a clear conscience. Again, here's the broad strokes, the bullet points. Submit. Well, Brent, I don't understand exactly what, submit, 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 do what is right, and you'll have no reason to be afraid of civil government. You'll avoid punishment, and you will have a clear conscience. That's it, in a nutshell, very simple. Well, what about when the government is wrong? Oh, what? What? What about when I think that the government is wrong? Do we still have to do what the government says to do? Let that resonate for a second. Let you be nervous, let you load your weapons. The only judgment we have about right and wrong is when it comes to the instruction of Scripture. If God explicitly says something is wrong, then regardless of what the government says, it's always wrong. I think that we can all be there. When we disagree with the government about policies or laws that are not moral or not addressed in Scripture, we submit. Well, what if it's wrong? In your opinion, it's wrong, but the leadership says it's right. So you'll do what the leadership says. I'll give you a for instance, Uh, I remember vividly when we uh, adopted a seatbelt law. I was a teenager, you know, rebellious as I could be, had a little long hair, stayed out till 1030 at night. No, I wasn't a rebellious teenager, asked my mom. I was not rebellious, but whenever they said I had to wear a seatbelt, I was like, I'll show you. God doesn't care what I think, and neither does the government. So you submit. So the story ends with me getting multiple seatbelt tickets until now I'm like, all right, I'll just wear it. (laughs) I don't like it, but I'll do it because I don't want to be in trouble with all those policemen. (laughs) They have plenty of other reasons for chasing me down. I can disagree with a bunch of stuff that the government does. All of us can, and that's one of our funnest things to, you know, our funnest pastimes is to talk about how the government's ridiculous. But the only time I cannot submit is when the government promotes immorality as it is explicitly defined in scripture. Are you okay? That's the truth, okay? So you thinking you know better is not a reason for rebellion against authority. If it was, we'd have 400 million people in America thinking that they know better, and maybe they do, but they're not in charge. They're not in the position of authority that God has, God has not put them in the position of authority. Does that make sense? So those that God has put in a position of authority, we submit to. Do we like it? No, then become a politician, change the system. You would not tolerate that kind of rebellion from your children. Dad, I don't think you're right about I should go to college. Dad, I don't think you're right about I should get a job. I'll show you that I'm right. I have ways of teaching you that I'm right. The church will not tolerate that attitude from church people, and the government will not tolerate it either. If you get pulled over for not wearing your seatbelt, and you tell the officer that you disagree with the law he still writes you a ticket for being rebellious and not submitting to the God-given authority of civil civil government, right? I can attest to that. (laughs) Unrelated story. I lived at this end of the street, Diane lived at this end of the street in Bloomfield, and back then, the uh, police department was in between so I was either speeding or not wearing a, a seatbelt, but I was going past, you know, those guys are getting off of work and they've got like 10 minutes to get their last speeding ticket in so that their wife can win a toaster or whatever they get. And uh, I think that that's how it is. I don't know how it is. Uh, and they're like, there's Britt, pull him over. He's either going too fast or he doesn't have a seat belt on. So he's doing something wrong. And I got lots of tickets. There's more to that story. Anyway, the judge was in my Sunday school class, and so I go in to pay a ticket one time, and uh, he's just shaking his head. He's like, wow, Brit, you need to submit to the authority of civil government. I think Paul, Paul kind of has an example here. Um, I don't think the government is is spending, so so the example is kind of, well, I don't think that the government is spending money the way that I think that they should, so I'm not gonna pay taxes, right? That's kind of a thought that goes through our brains, right? If the government's not gonna spend money like we think is responsible, then I just won't pay my taxes. So that gets us to number three in the rest of our text, uh, pay the authorities. Uh, this This is what Paul says about this whole, you know, we disagree with the government. Um, So he says, pay the authorities. Verse 6, he says, pay your taxes, too, for the same reasons. The same reasons. God put them, put the government in place. So for the same reason, pay your taxes. But they don't use it for what I want them to. Doesn't matter. You don't get a say in it. You are not the one put in the position of authority. So you don't get to choose. For government workers need to be paid, that makes sense. They are serving God in what they do in that they are bringing order to unbelievers. They are serving God in what they do. Give to everyone what you owe them. Pay your taxes and government fees to those who collect them and give respect and honor to those in authority. Not only do you pay your taxes, but you also give generously respect and authority to those, respect and honor to those who are in authority. Because the standard of grace is never an eye for an eye. The standard of grace is I'll give above and beyond. So we may not like the government, but the instruction of scripture is to give it respect and authority. Years ago, uh, I haven't heard it in a long time ago, but a long time ago, I haven't heard it in a long time, but a long time ago, you would hear people say things along the line of the government is corrupt, and because I'm a Christian and I'm entitled, I'm just not gonna pay my taxes. I'm gonna evade paying my taxes. So first of all, we do pay our taxes because we think the government is, We pardon me, we do not pay our taxes because we think the government is acceptable. with me? We do not pay taxes because we think the government is acceptable or we agree with it. We pay taxes out of submission that God commands us as believers, and we give respect and honor to those whom God has placed in those positions of authority, even when we think they don't deserve it. And we're back to the idea of when you were a sinner and you did not deserve God's mercy and grace, what did God do? He gave you mercy and grace. So we gotta change the way that we're thinking. Just because the government, just because your husband or your dad is not doing what you think you ought to do, because the church is not doing what you think that they ought to do, because the government is doing what you think they should not do, does not take you away from the responsibility of submitting to authority. Popular message then what do we do about an immoral government, Brent? Well, undermining it is not the answer. Sowing evil into an evil situation is not going to bear righteousness. It begins with teaching the responsibility and submission of authority in the family. It starts with dad's husband's. It is demonstrated by modeling submission to the authority in the church. Then, the Lord willing, there will be men and women in the positions of civil authority that will be God-fearing and led in um, that will lead in a moral direction. Did you follow what I said? It begins with the family, it is, it's uh, grown in the church, and then hopefully those good, godly, God-fearing, Christ-following people will go into the civil government and lead it in a moral direction. That would be awesome, right? Now, it didn't work for Israel at all. So I have little hope for it happening in this country. <laughs> But the command of scripture remains the same. God knew when he gave Israel a king. It's going to cause problems. He told them that. So us thinking that we're going to have a good country because we have the right president or the right congress. Sweetheart, read your Bible. No, we'll only have a good country as the, as the country submits to the Lord Jesus Christ. That has nothing to do with government. Nothing to do with government command of scripture remains the same. Submit to those that God has placed in authority. It's not an, it's not an option and it's not for debate. Um, at the end now, the issue of submitting to authority strikes at the very core of you and I dying to ourselves and to our own desires. We don't like it. It's hard. It's a total transformation of our thinking. We are not in control. Someone else is often in control. Our job is by faith we submit to all those God has placed in authority and trust that God is leading those that he's placed in authority in the direction that he wants them to go. I disagree where God is leading our country. <laughs> I wouldn't go there if I was you. Just saying. We submit to God. We submit to our parents. We submit to our hus- the husband the Father, we submit to church authority, we submit to civil authority. You've been listening to the Desert Heights Church weekly message. We would like to invite you to one of our service times at 9 or 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings here in Farmington, New Mexico. If you'd like more information, please visit our website at desertheightschurch.com.